Welcome to the Practical Prepping Podcast, Wednesday edition of the 10-Minute Tip. If you enjoy Practical Prepping Podcast, we ask you to leave us a five-star review and tell your friends about it. We also ask you to consider supporting our podcast. You can do that by buying us a cup or two of coffee by going to www.buymeacoffee.com slash practicalprep. We appreciate any support to keep this podcast coming to you. Let's talk a little bit about building first aid kits. The purpose for first aid is to preserve life, prevent further injury, promote recovery, or pain relief. So let's talk about some of the things that we need to know for sure, and then talk about some kits that we need to build. One of the things is that you need to learn, if you do not already know, how to do CPR cardiopulmonary resuscitation. This is a method whereby we can step in when someone's heart has quit beating within a certain period of time, and you've got about a four-minute window there before brain damage can begin. And this is a mechanical method that uses two hands to press on the chest to take the place of the beating heart. It's a way to pump blood to the organs and to the brain. And if you don't know how to do CPR, go take a class. Go learn to do CPR. If you can't do that, go to YouTube and look up Learning CPR. You can find out how it's done. And then don't be afraid, even if you haven't practiced it, to do this when the time comes and it's the possibility of you saving somebody's life. Don't be afraid that you're going to hurt them. Don't be surprised if you break a rib when you're doing CPR. It's happened to all of us. Remember, I was a paramedic for 19 years. You're going to break ribs from time to time, especially with little old folks and brittle ribs. But don't be afraid to try that. Don't be afraid that you do it wrong because they'd be dead if you don't. So be willing to try, be willing to step up, be willing to step in and attempt to save someone's life. Now, a lot of the things that we're going to talk about tonight, you kind of need to know a little bit about basic first aid. And you can get a first aid manual. You can look things up online. YouTube is a wonderful thing when it comes to this. But if you're going to carry some type of medical, some type of first aid gear, you need to know how to use that. Now, there are three types of first aid kits that we're going to talk about. First is a personal kit. That could be your EDC bag. That could be what we've referred to on other podcasts as boo-boo kit. Carries your band-aids, a little bit of antibacterial cream, some wipes, something like that. These can even be made in like an Altoids tin. There's any kind of containers that you can use to put that kit together to put into your purse or your EDC bag or your pocket to be able to have that on you at all times. Now, granted, that is a bit limited in what you can carry. So most of us carry either a car bag or a bug out bag type kit. It's a bigger kit. Now in our vehicles, uh, having been a paramedic, having been to a number of wrecks, I carry some pretty decent sized first aid kits with lots of bandages and lots of gauze 
and some medical tape and a few other things in there, just in case we come upon a wreck in our travels. Now, the third one is either the home kit or the kit for the bug out location. And this is the one that you put just about anything that you can think of in it, especially the OTC medications. Some folks stock antibiotics. Some folks stock suture kits, nasopharyngeal airways. But when you're getting specialized equipment, you need to know what that equipment is for. Now, we're just going to talk about For the next few minutes, we're just going to talk about a number of things that you might put into one or all of your kits. Now, first is adhesive bandages. We don't always need a big bandage and gauze wrapped around it. I had to pull out a Band-Aid last week. Thankfully, it wasn't too serious, but it was just a Band-Aid type injury. But now I'd carry various sizes of those from very small to the large Band-Aids. A very large, and I say Band-Aid, any adhesive bandage would work. But Band-Aid has become just a generic name for an adhesive bandage, at least in the United States. And a large one can be used to cover a pretty fair-sized cut, a very well-skint knee. You can cover that. Any types of cuts and abrasions that are two inches or less you can cover with a large Band-Aid. Now, I also like liquid bandage. It's a brush-on, and it's not for extremely large cuts, but once you can get the bleeding to stop, it protects that wound, and it goes on and protects it. It's waterproof, and it will actually last more than a day. I try to remove the old bandage and put on new every day when I do use that. But that liquid bandage is good. Any number of size gauze bandages, 2x2s, 4x4s, 5x7s, 6x9, abdominal pads, any type of dressing that you can put over that injury is good to have. And then you can wrap that with rolled gauze or with a compression bandage. It's good if you get a little bit of training on this or watch it on YouTube to carry an Israeli bandage. That Israeli bandage is a compression bandage goes on a specific way and it'll hold a lot of pressure on that wound that you may not have two hands to be able to do that at the time. You can use elastic bandages, the old ACE bandage, the one that you wrapped up the sprained ankle with. They're good to put, what I've done many times is I have put a bandage over the injury. I've put gauze around that and then to add pressure to it, I have added an elastic bandage around that to hold it. Or they make one today that is a stretchable, they call it Coban is a trade name for it, and it sticks to itself. So that's some good things to have in your bag as well. Steri strips and butterfly closures are something that you can close quite a fairly large wound in the place of being able to get stitches. It's good to go ahead and pull that back together, even if you're going to go to the hospital and have that sutured. If you're several hours away, it may be good to have that in the meantime. And if we're out here doing ditch medicine and we're not going to be able to go to the hospital for a while, or possibly not at all, those steri strips or butterfly closures are good to have there. Another thing that you might want to consider having in some of your bags is eye drops or an eye wash. 
from time to time. We get things in our eyes, and it's good to be able to wash those out. Now, let's talk about tools and equipment that you could consider putting in there. Of course, you'll want some medical tape, half inch or one inch. Now, in a pinch, you could use duct tape and put that to hold the gauze down. You want to carry some type of tourniquet. Tourniquet seems to be the treatment of choice for gunshot wounds today. Anytime you have arterial bleeding on an extremity, you can put a tourniquet above that injury and possibly save that person's life. So those tourniquets come in a number of different things, the cat, the rat, and the SWAT T are the three most common that we have here in the States. And so consider picking up a couple of tourniquets and at least having in your car bag or in your home or bug out location kit. Something that I carry that's real neat is a SAM splint. It's aluminum covered by a rubber foam, and it's very moldable. And you can use that for severe sprains. You can use it for broken appendages. You can mold that into the shape that it needs to be and then wrap gauze around that and be able to stabilize that injury. Another thing that I knew was available and had seen people who had had staples put into a wound, especially in surgery. And then I was in the emergency room one day with a prisoner, and the doctor was going to staple his head. He actually put nine stitches in it. And I asked the doctor if I could observe that. And it's just a real simple thing to do. And he even told me that some folks are carrying these when they're quite several hours away from being able to be at a hospital. And I'm thinking about hunting, hiking, things like that. Now, it'd be a little bit painful to put those stitches in, but it'll close that that wound up very, very well. Some medic shears that you might want to consider. It's a lot easier to cut clothing with medical shears than it is with a very sharp knife. It's a lot safer. Now, if you have to cut it with a knife, put your finger on the tip of the blade and run it under, say you're cutting off a pair of blue jeans. You have your finger between the knife and the skin of the patient and use the blade of the knife to cut it. But it's a lot safer to just use those medic shears. They'll cut anything up to and including a penny in half. Now, they don't do very well for silk. They don't do very well for very thin material. But blue jeans, they will cut those off uh, like a knife going through hot butter. You can carry hemostats or tweezers. There are times that we get things stuck under our skin and we need those tweezers to pull them out or even to remove the debris from a wound as well. It's always good to have a thermometer in at least one, certainly your home bag, you would want a thermometer in. Uh, Do we see the patient running a fever? Do we need to take some type of action to intervene with that, whether it be wet cloths, whether it be cloths that have been wet down with alcohol and put those on the patient in key places? Anywhere you have a pulse point, you can put those. You can put them on the neck. You can put them on the forehead. You can put them in the growing area. You can put them under the arms. And the evaporation will help to bring that temperature down some. It's always good to have paracord. With paracord, you can make a sling if you need to. 
A triangular bandage is very good for making a sling. And you can bandage, let's say you patch that arm up with a SAM splint, you can take a triangular bandage and make a sling, or you can take paracord and make a sling. It's also good to have a flashlight in each one of your medical bags, at least the car kit, the bug out location, uh, the home kit, have some type of flashlight. A little pin light is sufficient. You don't need a thousand lumens here. You may need to look into their eyes to see if their eyes are equal and reactive. If they're not equal, then they may have some type of head injury. And we want to, that brings on other things that we need to be aware of. And I'll leave uh, what to do with that to another podcast. But that pin light comes in handy to look into eyes and ears. And it can actually be a backup to your backup if your flashlights go out. Now, here's some advanced things that you may want to consider carrying. I do carry some in a couple of our kits, and that is either quick clot powder or quick clot impregnated gauze. Now, this is a bleed stop type material. It's good if you're an extreme distance for the hospital Don't use it locally and take them into the hospital. The doctors really don't like to be digging that stuff out. But if that's what it takes to stop that bleeding and possibly save that person's life, I'll do it every time. Another thing is a chest seal. Now, this is for a sucking chest wound where when they take a breath, air goes through the hole or the cut in their chest and it will tend to cause a lung to collapse. Now, one thing that pretty much anybody can use is a nasopharyngeal airway, and this is, it's kind of creepy the first time you do it, but you actually put it up their nose, and it curls back and comes down into their throat. And if you've got a lot of bleeding in there, sometimes it will give you a a patent airway that you would not have any other way. There are oral airways that are not hard to put in once you know how to do it. It looks rather daunting until you do it a time or two, but it's really not that bad, and that will open an airway, especially if you're going to have to be doing CPR on somebody in an extended period of time, and you need to be doing some breaths for that person as well. Now, we've just very briefly covered uh, some of the things that you might want to have in your kit. But the whole idea is either to preserve life, to prevent further injury, to promote recovery, or for pain relief. One other thing that I would put in all of my bags is to put some aspirin in there. I carry a few in my bag. I rarely take an aspirin, but I carry it because it is the new protocol for the heart association. And even the paramedics are administering Anytime they have someone with chest pain, because of the potential for a myocardial infarction, a blockage, something like that, you want to dilate, you want to be able to thin that blood a little bit to make it pass a little better through those arteries. They're giving aspirin in the field to give that person a better chance of surviving that chest pain episode. So there's just a few things. We hope you've picked up at least one little tidbit here or something that you're not carrying, something you haven't thought about and would like to do that. We'll see you next time.
Thank you for listening to the podcast today. And please leave us a five-star review. That helps more people be able to hear this podcast. Share it with your friends and family. You can reach us on Facebook at Practical Prepping. Email at info at practicalprepping.info. And our website is practicalprepping.info. And as always, remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.